It's Tuesday, September 21st. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. The 1904 St. Louis World's Fair celebrated America's growing influence in the world and the latest innovations. But it's also something that displayed in the most obvious terms imaginable the way that the United States was a space of inequality. The truth and lasting legacy of the 1904 World's Fair coming up in just a few minutes. A federal appeals court today will consider whether Missouri can implement a sweeping law aimed at limiting abortions. The measure, adopted in 2019, would ban the procedure at or around the eighth week of pregnancy. It would also prohibit abortions based on a Down syndrome diagnosis. The 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in St. Louis is not expected to rule for several weeks. In June, a three-judge 8th Circuit panel upheld an injunction from a U.S. district judge prohibiting Missouri from enforcing the provisions. The full court then decided to hear the case. The Missouri Attorney General's office is defending the law. Voters could soon decide whether they want to change the redistricting process for the St. Louis Board of Aldermen. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports. Currently, members of the Board of Aldermen vote on boundaries of wards, and the mayor either signs or vetoes the map. A ballot initiative would place redistricting power into the hands of a nine-person commission. Redistricting commissions in other states have often fallen victim to partisan infighting. But Show Me Integrity's Benjamin Singer says this proposal has numerous features making the process responsive to the people. The criteria that they have to follow are also critical, which are keeping neighborhoods and communities together and making St. Louis a national leader in protecting the voting power of communities of color when it comes to uh, representation at the Board of Aldermen. If organizers have enough signatures, the measure could be on the ballot next year. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. Many school districts in the region are dealing with continuing teacher shortages. Normandy Schools Collaborative is down 16 teachers and the hiring pool is bleak. The district is working to address the issue with the Normandy Teaching Fellows Program. Human Resources Director Sarah Jamison says it helps people who have a passion for teaching attain their certification in 12 to 18 months. Being able to attract very highly qualified folks who are interested in teaching, but also will helping them to start another career or develop the career that they have decided to go into. Jamison says the district is paying for those certifications. It needs math and science teachers. St. Louis County residents will be able to get the COVID-19 vaccine at local library branches starting this week. The St. Louis County Library is partnering with the county's Department of Public Health to offer regular weekly vaccine clinics at four branches, Lewis and Clark, Natural Bridge, Florissant, and Rock Road. The clinics will be open from tomorrow until the end of the year. Proof of residency or health insurance is not required. People can walk in or make appointments at revivestl.com. Missouri's chief disciplinary counsel is asking the state Supreme Court to suspend the law licenses of Mark and Patricia McCloskey. The couple waved guns at Black Lives Matter protesters in St. Louis last year. Dan Margulies reports. In filings with the court, the chief disciplinary counsel, Alan D. Pratzel, cited the couple's guilty pleas to misdemeanors stemming from the incident. Mark McCloskey, who is running as a Republican for the U.S. Senate, pleaded guilty in June to misdemeanor fourth-degree assault and was ordered to pay a $750 fine. Patricia McCloskey pleaded guilty to misdemeanor harassment and was ordered to pay a $2,000 fine. 
Pratzel said both crimes showed, quote, indifference to public safety, unquote, and involved, quote, moral turpitude, warranting discipline. The McCloskeys did not respond to a request for comment. I'm Dan Margulies. If you love ice cream cones and hamburgers, you can thank the 1904 St. Louis World's Fair. But there was a lot about the event that is incorrectly remembered or not remembered at all. From the podcast Hungry for Mo, Suzanne Hogan reports. When the St. Louis World's Fair kicked off in April of 1904, it started a seven-month multicultural extravaganza. Nearly 20 million people from around the globe flocked to the city's Forest Park. History professor Peter Castor teaches a course all about it at Washington University in St. Louis. This was in an era before television. This was in an era before magazines with color photographs. It's before many of the museums. So one of the reasons so many people would go to a World's Fair was to see the world. Fairgoers could explore exhibits from over 60 countries and 43 states. You could ride the giant Ferris wheel, see a butter sculpture of Teddy Roosevelt, and experience new technologies like the private automobile and x-ray machine. For many attendees, the World's Fair was also the first time they encountered some of America's now classic foods. My name is Pam Vaccaro, and my book is Beyond the Ice Cream Cone, The Whole Scoop on Food at the 1904 World's Fair. There is a lot of food lore about the fair, and the ice cream cone is probably the most hotly debated. I tell you, St. Louisans weren't real happy when I challenged the question of the ice cream cone. Here's one of the most popular tales. On a particularly hot day, Syrian concessionaire Ernest Hamwi ran out of dishes. In a flash of inspiration, he rolled up a waffle into a cone, plopped his ice cream on top, and bam, became a dessert legend. Vaquero says the truth is more vague. Multiple families have come forward with similar stories, saying their family member should get the credit. But who was the first to do this? It's really questionable. Now Vaquero and other historians say the ice cream cone was not invented, but rather popularized at the fair. The same goes for Dr. Pepper, the hamburger, and iced tea. These foods were around before the fair, but they took off thanks to the huge numbers of attendees trying them out for the first time. Vaquero says the fair's biggest impact actually came from the 22-acre Palace of Agriculture. Their food manufacturing companies shared the latest innovations, like puffed cereal, which they shot out of a cannon. The palace also educated fairgoers about large-scale food processing and canning. What is profoundly impacted how we distributed food, how we marketed food, how we produced food, and even how we became aware of the purities or lack of them in our food. Professor Peter Castor says that the World's Fair represented a changing modern world. By 1904, the country was deep in Jim Crow segregation, and the fair took place a few years after the end of the Spanish-American War, When the United States military took control over Cuba, the Philippines, and Puerto Rico. The United States had become a global empire. In St. Louis, the United States debuted itself as a growing imperial force, putting on living anthropology exhibits with indigenous peoples from around the world. African Americans, meanwhile, 
couldn't get so much as a drink of water from the fairgrounds. It was a moment that was partly designed to celebrate American glory, American democracy, the American economy. But it's also something that displayed in the most obvious terms imaginable the way that the United States was a space of inequality. Castor says this duality, more than any food inventions or innovations, is the lasting legacy of the 1904 World's Fair. And it's something, he says, we can learn from today. One of the things we often learn when we look at the past is really how complicated and contingent these moments are. And that equality and inequality coexist in the same space. I'm Suzanne Hogan. The full Hungry for Mo podcast is at kcur.org slash hungry. Support for Hungry for Mo comes from the Missouri Humanities Council. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. Thanks to Jonathan All and Maria Altman for filling in yesterday and Friday. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.